Well, good morning and welcome to our continuing Bible uh, class study in, in the Gospel of St. Luke. And we're in chapter 9 today, uh, and we'll be uh, concerned with verse 37 through 45 uh, today. So, uh, good to see everybody here, and uh, we'll... Uh, We'll kind of begin just by reading this this portion of scripture. Remember, in our last lesson, they were they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they and they they are coming down, and and this is what they encounter here in verse thirty-seven. Remember, Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and then and. And it came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. There in verse 37 of chapter 9, And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my child, for he's my only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and suddenly he crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth in him hardly uh, departeth from him. And I I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet uh, coming, the devil threw him down and tear him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child, delivered him again to his father, and they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. <clears throat> but while they wondered, every one, at all the things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying, <clears throat> and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. So, it's kind of a not that long of a passage of scripture, and and, and we're going to spend some time looking at uh, Mark and and uh, Matthew's accounts too, because they supply some details there that are not in this, but uh, or give us some great understanding about what this block of scripture means. So, as we mentioned earlier, Jesus, along with uh, Peter, uh, John, and James, just came down from the mount where the Lord was speaking with Moses. He, he'd been speaking with Moses and Elijah concerning, it said, his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And the, and the next day they came down, there was a crowd there, a multitude to, to meet him. And, and one of the crowd announces in his desperation that he, that he has a son that's taken, a spirit has taken him and, and affecting disastrous carnage on him and, and uh, exhibiting a lot of uh, symptoms that we might uh, recognize in some way as uh, like epilepsy and those kind of things. Uh, <clears throat> and he says he sought the disciples which had remained. Remember, the, the, some remained down below. He took Peter, James, and John with him up on the mountain. These other disciples met below and remember that they had all been uh, tasked with going out preaching the gospel, and they were casting out demons and healing people. And but their primary task was uh, pre- preaching the gospel. And and so while they're up there on the mount, this man uh, approaches the disciples that remain and and try to get them to 
cast out the spirit, and, and they could not. And, and the Lord commands that son to be brought to him, and, and, and we find that there's a little bit of scolding those present. He's so faithless and perversion. How long shall you and suffer you? And, and then he rebukes the spirit and delivers the son back to the father. And I thought, what a picture of the Lord redeeming the church there. Just uh, delivering him to the Father without spot or wrinkle. He takes this one that's been wrecked by this carnage and heals him and then delivers him back to the to the Father. Boy, what a picture there. Uh, <clears throat> I remember in John 17, 6, is thine they were and thou gavest them me and and <clears throat> and and he, I give to them eternal life. <clears throat> and then the crowd, they, they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. And Jesus, as closing words re, regarding this, gets us back to the focus, gets us back to the main point. Let this, and how many times do we want to say this? <laughs> Let this saying sink down in your ears. <laughs> the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not. And they were, says they were afraid to ask him more about that saying there in verse 45. So this, this brief record here in the Gospel of Luke uh, records the circumstances. Uh, and compared to Mark or Matthew, it's uh, pretty brief. And it's uh, recounted in John, but the events leading up to it and afterwards are, are in John. But he, he leaves out this. Uh, this particular issue. <clears throat> so, uh, remember in John chapter 6, we find this, the feeding of the loaves and the fishes and all those things that we, we've been looking at here so far. So, <clears throat> so uh, Matthew and Mark, though, supply some information that's really valuable to the study. And, and so let's turn over to Mark chapter 9 for just a, a, a moment. In Mark, Mark's account, chapter 9. So this is uh, in Mark chapter 9, it's uh, the same uh, time frame, the same situation, <clears throat> and he's talking to them about, they ask him, well, what about Elijah, and he said the scriptures of Elijah must indeed come, and, and <clears throat> they have, uh, and they have uh, done unto him whatsoever they listed as written of <clears throat> Mark chapter nine thirteen and verse fourteen and he, and when he came to his disciples, he came down with John and Peter and James and he came to the rest of his disciples. He saw a great multitude about them, and I think it's important for us to the they had kind of surrounded his disciples over this issue with this man that had the son that had the the devil in him and and they'd kind of surrounded them and the scribes questioning with them the the legalists the scribes the ones that were uh, tasked with the originally the scribes their their job was to record the words of kings and prophets 
That's what their job was. And then they, they kind of, they kind of evolved. They're, they're kind of like government. They just kept taking more and more tasks on until they assumed a whole other uh, identity, and 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 they became kind of the lawyers for the with the Pharisees. And uh, <clears throat> so the scribes were questioning them. Uh, and it says, and straightway, in verse 15, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed. When they beheld Christ, they were greatly amazed. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Why are you questioning my people? Why have you surrounded my people? Why are you questioning my people? And then, one of the multitude, which is that man, spoke up and said, Well, I have a son that's that I brought, and he has a dumb spirit. And, and so some things there that, that are brought out in Mark that, that kind of uh, not brought out specifically in Luke, but uh, uh, several things about this uh, help us in understanding that. And, uh, they were being questioned, and that kind of... That word question kind of, it's not like, what time is it? <laughs> it's a dispute. It's a disputation. And uh, since their original task was the faithful copying of scriptures and the words of kings and that kind of thing, uh, you you have to wonder what they were disputing with the disciples disciples over and we find that they have a record of opposing God and disputing uh, the Christ and and you know the very things that they were copying of Christ search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they that testify of me and in Luke 24 he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself and he said many times uh I must fulfill everything that's written in the law and the prophets. So he finds these scribes, these lawyers, those who should really know the gospel best, uh, disputing with his disciples. And apparently it's about this man's son here. And since they were opposed to the Lord Christ, they were they were probably denouncing Jesus as a fraudster and that and they were ridicule for for following and 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 I can just imagine oh yeah you were supposed to cast out this demon and you're invoking Jesus name and nothing's working it's all a failure it's all a fraud <clears throat> so it, to me it was very interesting how he responds he doesn't say anything to his people <laughs> He says, why are you questioning my people? Why are you scribes disputing with them? Uh, in my Greek interlinear, we were talking about uh, different translations this morning, and I used uh, <clears throat> the Greek interlinear to look at this a little bit this morning, and it said, question them. They, they'd been after the scribes, <laughs> and it says, and he questioned them, what are you debating with them? And they didn't have an answer. They were, they didn't have a, anything to say back to him, uh, as you can well imagine. Him being the Lord God Almighty, <laughs> they probably said, "Hmm, I guess we'll, this now would be a good time to be quiet." 
<clears throat> and their their record of opposition to him was well known. <clears throat> and and again, the, at this very point here, one speaks up from the crowd and says, "Well, <clears throat> it's my son. And he has a a dumb spirit, a malevolent spirit." And and he says, "And I sought the help from the disciples, and and they could not. <clears throat> they could not help." <clears throat> and this. Uh, when I was reading through this, it kind of reminded me of a little bit from, and we were talking about this block of scripture here that I'm going to bring up here in a minute. And this morning we were talking about in Exodus chapter 32, we find Moses coming down from the mount. And what did he find when he came down from the mount? He found people in opposition. And he found people that were, and, and there weren't very many that were standing up for the truth of their there was only a couple, but they had kind of surrounded them, and they had. The, Matthew Henry said, "The camp was in disarray when they came when they came down from the mountain." And let's. Uh, this is the the two times that he came down counted, recounted in Exodus chapter thirty two and thirty four regarding Moses and the Lord. You know, and, and it as we look at the Mount of Transfiguration, that's who the Lord was talking to. On the, on the Mount of Transfiguration. So I want to bring out some similarities here between these two times because almost everything that we find in the in the New Testament is pictured and shadowed and described and talked about in the Old Testament. <clears throat> so as we look at this, and remembering that the Lord had been speaking with Moses and Elijah regarding his decease, which he should accomplish in Jerusalem. In Exodus 32.15, Moses turned and went down from the mountain, the two tablets of testimony in his hand, tablets written on their two sides, on this and on that side they were written. And the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, and it was engraved on the tablets, <clears throat> Joshua heard the voice of the people in their shouting, and he said to Moses, A sound of war in the camp. He, they were coming back to camp together, and he says, This sounds like there's, there's some big commotion going on in the camp. This, a sound of disputing, of opposition to God. And, and as I mentioned, Matthew Henry said there, there was disarray in the, in the camp. And then if, if you follow on in that, chapter 32 you find out what happened they they had they had just went clean off the edge <laughs> and Moses was barely out of their sight and they were they were in opposition to God and and they got chastised and then Moses comes down the second time we find it in Exodus 34 turn over to Exodus 34 if you would in verse 28 and he was there with Jehovah Forty days and forty nights. That's one of the few times when they actually say uh, the name Jehovah there instead of just translating it uh, Lord. <clears throat> he did not eat bread and he did not drink water and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And as it, it happened as Moses was going down from Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony being in Moses' hand as he went down from the mount, the skin of his face had become luminous through his speaking with him. His face, or in, uh, 
I think his face did shine in some Trent King James, I think it says. And Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face did, did shine or became luminous, and they were afraid to draw near him. Well, in Mark's account that we just read, and we'll read that again in Mark 9, 14 and 15, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning him, disarray down in there in that camp. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, that, and that would be Christ, when they beheld him, they were greatly amazed. Well, when you look that word up in your Strong's Concordance, it says, that means they were astonished and a little bit afraid. <laughs> And why would that be? <laughs> what would it be? What about him might cause them to be a little bit afraid and, and astonished? Because he was just there days before. He'd been going around healing people and stuff. <clears throat> but he'd been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I think maybe his appearance was still glorified. Because they saw him and they were... They said, huh, this is a little... Uh, astonishing and frightening. And as Moses had been gone for a time in like manner, Jesus had been gone, but not as long a time, but the results seemed to be quite similar. <clears throat> and those who opposed God were busy at work sowing disharmony. And we find the same thing here. <clears throat> There's nothing new. <clears throat> and and so, again, there's some more similar similarities here between uh, Luke's account and what we find in Deuteronomy in what the Lord says. He, he tells these people, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. In uh, <clears throat> How long shall I be with you? And suffer you. Bring. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 18. <clears throat> And again, we have these, this same group of people that had witnessed all these wonderful works of God, had been taken care of, had been delivered, crossed the sea on dry land, all those things that we know. Deuteronomy 13.18 says, Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful. And hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and his daughters. In Mark 9, 16 says, Why are you questioning my people? Why are you provoking my people? In verse 20 of Deuteronomy 13, he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith, no total reliance on Christ for salvation. And you know, you find that uh, recounted for us in Hebrews uh, chapter 3 and 4. In the chapter on that rest, they, they could not enter into rest because of unbelief and and they died in the wilderness. Uh, <clears throat> well, 
here we have the same kind of similar situation. There are all these people that had witnessed all these great works of Christ, and they're kind of assaulting his his disciples, the scribes in particular, or questioning them. <clears throat> here we have an important contrast noted by the Lord here for the disciples and the church in dealing with the man whose son was, was stricken. <clears throat> Two, two important statements are made in Mark and, and kind of tell us quite a bit about uh, what we're always saying here. Salvation is of the Lord. <clears throat> in Mark chapter 9, verse 18, regarding this, it says, uh, this man is describing this, these, the effects that are manifest in his son. He says, Where, wherever he takes him, he, it, he tears him and he foameth and he gnashes with his teeth and he pines away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out and they could not. And then in verse uh, 21, the Lord, he asked his, how long is, is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. He's had it most of his life there. And oft times it, it casts him in the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe. The disciples could believe or not. No one could believe for him. He says, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. So the disciples couldn't believe for this man. And Jesus said, if thou can believe. The, the belief of someone else, we can't believe for someone else. We, we just don't have that ability. The picture here is the results of unbelief and we we're going to find that out here and as if we look in the the account of Matthew in chapter 17 we'll read that here in a minute but uh, it it it's borne out what is uh, further revealed a little when when the disciple says why couldn't we cast that demon out why why were we a failure <laughs> and you know it kind of reminded me of Peter when he when he was walking on the water, he had his eye on Christ. But boy, when he took his eye off Christ and went to his own resources, then he sank. <clears throat> Without me, you can do nothing. <clears throat> so the man here acknowledged that <clears throat> we have to rely on Christ to supply our belief and our faith and our trust and our confidence in Him alone and, and not on others. <clears throat> the, for the disciples, it was a lesson in the same thing. Remember, he'd been, kind of bring, he'd been kind of teaching them this. He says, when you go, he just sent these guys out. He says, I don't want you to take extra shoes, no food, no money. No, t don't even take two coats. And then later on, he says, well, when I did that and you went out, did you lack anything? And they said, no, nothing. <laughs> well, here's another lesson for them. 
total reliance on Christ. I am the branch and you are the branch. The, the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. <clears throat> so one of the things that's important for the church to... It's like these people in the in the wilderness. They 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 had all these instances where God was physically with him, but it didn't mean that much. And then when you had the Lord with them, it didn't seem to mean that much. And in some cases, while he was there, they they and then they they didn't. Does he have to be physically present? in our view at all times in order for us to exercise faith and belief. He's the Spirit, and we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Are we faithful in trusting the truth of the gospel? Do we keep our eye and our heart on Him, or or are we like the example of Peter, where we we kind of, oh, I'm walking, I'm on the water, and then we take our eye off Him, and then, boop, down we go. So... Jesus answered them in Luke 9.41, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? That faithless, faith, faithless and perverse means, it, it means un, to unbelieve and to distort. And that's one of the many things that we're always up against. People are always distorting uh, things about the Lord, distorting the truth about him, just twisting it and and changing what it's the truth of it. And at the end of this, he says, "How long is you got? How long do I going to be with you? You need to let this sink into your ears." <laughs> and and we'd like to say that all the time too. <clears throat> oh, unbelieving, distorting generation! How long shall I be with you? Bring, bring him to me. Look unto Christ. And so the epilogue, the, the kind of the closing word, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. <clears throat> then came the disciples to Jesus apart. This is after it's all done, and <clears throat> they're kind of moving on. And, and they said, why couldn't we cast him out? You know, a few weeks ago, you gave us power over demons and ability to heal and <clears throat> all these things. Why? What happened? What's up with that? <clears throat> and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, you took your eyes off of me and started relying on your own self. And we find records of that a little bit later on in Luke chapter 10. They said, <clears throat> we're pretty great. <laughs> and even in Luke chapter 9 here, the next thing we're going to run into is, well, <clears throat> they're all in the circle saying, well, which one of us is the greatest? How many demons did you cast out? Well, except for this guy that I couldn't Yes. Uh, 27, how many did you do? Well, 33. Then you start looking at your own resources. You start looking at your own abilities and not relying on Christ. And, and you know, we just don't have that within us. <clears throat> Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, 
if you have reliance on me and and a grain of mustard seed isn't very much <clears throat> but, uh, you shall say unto this mountain remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you <clears throat> how be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting <clears throat> which brings us to another little interesting thing there um, what were they going to pray and fast about I need more power I need more <laughs> I, 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 is your, is your prayers start out with I, or is it the I that, like this guy said, I believe, help thou my unbelief, uh, is our prayer, Lord, uh, then is our prayer, the son of man goeth as it is written of him. <clears throat> so, these few verses kind of give us a lot more understanding on this this block of scripture here. In Luke 9.46, there arose a, a reasoning among them which of them should be greatest. And and so he told them the, the answer lay in here in prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting about what and about whom. And and in prayer are we are we recommending ourselves? In our abilities to God, are we are we are we fasting for the wrong purposes? Are we fasting to achieve greater power? Are we fasting to like those scribes and the Pharisees? I fast twice during the week, and I do it. I put stuff on my face so it makes me look like I'm starving myself, so everybody will know that I'm fasting, and and I kind of tell everybody about it, uh, so they'll know that I'm extra religious and. What is, what is the purpose of, of it? And and the hint of the Lord was, let these sayings sink into your ears. The Son of Man shall be delivered. For what purpose? For the redemption of the church. That is the main focus. That's the, the saving of the Lord's people. He shall save his people from their sins. That's what, and this other stuff is just, side issues it's not the main it's not the main thing he gave them power over that stuff but he says go and tell the gospel and and then he tells them in chapter 10 if we ever get to chapter 10 he says rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but that your names are written in heaven Amen. that's what you should be rejoicing about and so with that, we'll stop there, and as always, from John chapter 8, be free, my friends.